Welcome to Recalculating Adventist Life Now. I'm Skip Bell, your host. The focus today is The One Project, and my guest is Dr. Kenley Hall. After a number of years in pastoral ministry, Kenley came to the Theological Seminary, where he serves as professor in the area of homiletics and young adult ministry. He's married to Rochelle, and they have two young adult children. Welcome, Ken. Thank you. Good to be here with you, Skip. Listeners, again, the focus today is the one project. So let's start, Ken. Exactly what is the one project? I would describe the one project as a movement, a movement of Seventh-day Adventist Christians who just in the deepest place of their heart and their soul, desire to make Jesus the center of everything um, in their lives. And, and so that's really the, the core of what one project is, a gathering of people, committed SDA Christians, who just want to make Jesus the central hub of all of the things that they do in, in life. Okay, good. Now, <laughs> I think you've given us a hint about the mission, but that old elevator speech, if I were with you in an elevator and said, one project, what's the mission of the one project? Uh, kind of state it for us again. Yeah, the, the simple mission of, of the one project is simply this. Uh, Jesus, stop, all, stop. Meaning that, again, Jesus should be the all-consuming uh, a reason that we exist and that we move and that we have been in this life. Jesus central, Jesus all. That's the core. Excellent, excellent. The elevator door just opened and you shared the mission. <laughs> now, uh, perhaps with a bit more uh, detail, how, how did it get started? Uh, t talk to us about how long it's been in motion and how it began. Sure. Well, it really started uh, in a, if you will, a, a hotel in, in Colorado where a number of SDA pastors and, and chaplains, uh, both in our universities and, and one in, in our hospital, had gathered together just as a, a group of friends, as passionate pastors and chaplains in, in the SDA church, but, but they were just feeling a, a dryness in, in their own experience uh, of what makes Christianity real? And after much prayer and much Bible study um, over a number of days, the, the, these friends came to the conclusion that, that why their experience seemed dry was because Jesus was not at the core and the center uh, of everything that they were. And so they came out of that hotel meeting saying, this is our new personal vision and, and mission in life. Jesus stopped all stuff. That's how we want to live our lives. Uh, but they began to discover as they, they talked to people around them that there was a hunger um, in other worshiping Seventh-day Adventist communities uh, around North America. And they even began to discover in Europe and in Australia as well, this same type of hunger that said, there's something missing from my experience. And, and it can be defined as Jesus all. That's the experience that I want to have. And so in 2011, uh, these pastors and, and chaplains 
had the first gathering of, of like-minded uh, people took place in Atlanta, 172 people uh, there. Uh, and it just began to grow from there. So from 2011, that first meeting in Atlanta, 172, it then began to move to San Diego. It's been in Chicago. It's been in Seattle. And since that initial 172, you've just seen the hunger grow. And so there's been groups of 700, 900 uh, or more people at these yearly events. Okay, good. So it has a life of about nine years now. Um, when you talk about what it is and its mission and its birth, something comes to mind that there was a void, there was a vacuum, there was a sense of need. So uh, Ken, you are a pastor. You are a person who has worked significantly with young adults especially. I'd like you to take a moment to you know, share with us just in your heart why we need the One Project. Why do we need it? Sure. Well, I'll give you a couple of reasons just from um, what I teach at the seminary. First, in the area of, of homiletics. If Jesus is not the center and the core uh, of all of our preaching, then, then what are we accomplishing? Uh, in our preaching. I love a, a statement here by Will, William Willimon, uh, a professor of preaching. He says this, if, if, if our sermons aren't intrinsically centered on Christ, then unable to preach Christ, he says, and him crucified, we preach humanity and it improved. I mean, think about the, the, ah. that statement there for just a moment. Am I preaching humanity improved, or am I preaching Christ and him crucified? So I, I think we need the one project for pastors to get pastors back to the central reason for our preaching, which is to point people to Jesus Christ. Um, from a young adult perspective, I, I think we need the, the one project because so many of us in, in the older uh, um, generation, I'm including myself now, uh, in that, there's two generations out from, from my generation as well. Oftentimes, our focus has been on orthodoxy. Do we, do we have the right doctrine? Do we have the right belief? And I'm not going to argue at all that we shouldn't, that, that that's not important. But young adults are interested in something more than just orthodoxy. Uh, young adults are, are much more interested in orthoproxy, which is right practice and orthopathy, which is having the right zeal, the right passion for the right thing. And I think that, that all of that, that, that at the end of the day, a right passion and a right zeal for something flows out of a deep discipleship relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and orthopraxy, living and, and, and doing the, the right things comes from that walk with Jesus. And by the way, it doesn't take away orthodoxy because orthodoxy becomes that much more important when we believe the things that we do because of the central focus on Jesus that we see in each of those beliefs. Yeah. Now, uh, I'm thinking of how to approach an emotion I'm having positively. Huh. Um, but I, I'm saying to myself, 
where we as a faith body have become stagnant, taken up with our own traditions, taken up with the uh, uh, artifacts in a museum so thoroughly sometimes. Uh, I think I hear you saying we need to readdress the why and that it has, it has an effect of renewal. Uh, restoration in our faith movement is, uh, yeah. I guess I'm asking you to even dwell a little bit more on that. Maybe the way to lead into that is to ask: Can have have you seen some positive contributions to the faith and spirituality of young adults? Personal narratives observed from a distance or personally sure. as a result of one project. Well, it, it, I'll give you a few that, that I've seen and I've experienced. Just in a general way, I, I will tell you that you know, I serve as the lead pastor at one place, not to be confused with the one project, one place, which is a worshiping community specifically targeting young adults on the campus of, of Andrews University. And almost every year um, since one project has come into being outside of the, the Atlanta year, the, their first um, start, uh, we have taken with us at, at various other years to their gatherings um, the lay leaders in, in our church. And since we're a young adult church, many of those happen uh, to be young adults that, that we pay for and, and their way to, to come. We, we buy their tickets uh, for them. And uh, if you want to see leaders fired up to do ministry, when they come back, I, I have not seen anything more effective than the one project, and it's just so deep focus on Jesus that just leads people back more passionate about serving. Uh, but but on a personal note, with with a couple of individuals that uh, um, I know, again, young adults. I, I think of one young adult who, and, and let me say this too: that that you know, there there's not a complete statistical correlation that you can somehow make to, well, the one project was totally responsible for this in, in their life. But you can look through pastoral wisdom and, and, and through what you see in, in front of you. And, and I think of one of our young adults that, that came out there that now is a powerful leader in if, uh, for lack of a better term, what I might call the, the SDA uh, Me Too movement, um, an individual that, that experienced um, pastoral uh, sexual abuse and is now working passionately with those who have themselves been victims. And let me tell you, you don't get into that type of labor unless it flows from a relationship of depth with Jesus Christ, because that is not an easy cross to bear. I think of another young adult that has spent time with us there at the One Project and, and now is just quite a, a mover and shaker in the community where she finds herself in, in being a, a warrior, um, if you will, for, for racial justice and, and racial um, equality. Again, not an easy path to journey. And, and, and I think that, in fact, I know that it, if they had not seen how central Jesus Christ is to their life, if they hadn't been desiring and moving into a deeper walk with Jesus, who in their right mind 
would pick up those type of crosses and follow Jesus. Crosses that are going to lead to ridicule, crosses that are going to lead to derision, but crosses that they happily pick up because of their passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. So a person who, in a congregational setting, which uh, the one uh, project urges you know, that there be gathering, there be assembly, they're coming together, who is focused on Jesus, you see them empowered not only to again be enthusiastic about mission and faith focused on Jesus, but empowered to deal with very real difficult issues in their life. Absolutely. I mean, Jesus, you know, the core of Jesus' ministry, you know, from, from Luke as he stands in front of the synagogue, I have come to set the captives free. These two individuals mm -hmm. are seeking to do just that, which tells me that they are intimately following Jesus and the type of, of mission and ministry that he did, and, and they've responded to the call. Now, uh, the One Project events. Can you, if, if I were to show up at a One Project event, uh, how many days or nights would it be? What kind, of, what kind of study, teaching, prayer, fellowship, uh, preaching might there be? Uh, what kind of music? What would it look like? What would it feel like? I, I wonder sometimes if there's a lot of curiosity from folk who have not been there. What is this one project event? And rumors can get out of hand. So tell us exactly what happens at a one project event. Sure. At a one project event, which generally goes over the span of, of two days, um, as people gather to, to intentionally seek a deeper relationship with, with Jesus Christ, usually in, in the morning as, as we would gather and, and in a large room, there would be round tables all over the room because people are encouraged uh, to sit at different tables um, where there will always be a, a leader uh, that, that is working with the One Project to be there at that table. And, and we'll talk in just a few moments about why the tables are, are so crucial. Uh, but in the morning, we usually uh, begin with some worship and, and music. Um, I think the most important thing to say about the music is, is this. It is all focused on Jesus Christ and, and, and worship of, of Jesus Christ. So it, it's not, sometimes some of the songs we sing seem to be more anthropocentric about me, uh, but a real Christocentric focus in our worship of, of we want to sing and we want to talk, not about ourselves primarily, but we want to sing and and worship about Jesus Christ. And, and then through the, the morning and then um, into the afternoon, it, you will have a short 45, 30, 45 minute presentations by um, either one of the founding pastors or, or chaplains of the One Project or other individuals that they've invited in to, to share. Uh, and they will share on, on a biblical topic, usually centered around a, a, a theme. Um, so one of the One Project gatherings that, that we went to was focused on the parables of, of Jesus. And so you'll have a 30 to 45 minute devotional slash 
sermon teaching um, on one of the parables. And then at the end of that, you're given good amount of time, 20, 30 minutes, to sit in the table that you're at, where one of the leader that's seated at that table will lead you through guided discussions so that now you can begin to, to think in your own mind. I mean, it sounded great, what I heard, but now let me talk through it and, and let me think about how I reflect or how I don't reflect that in my life. Let me think about how I could apply that not only to my life, but how I could apply that to my community life that I have with my worshiping community uh, where I've come from. And, and so that's basically how, how the day progresses, uh, presentations and then awesome opportunities for small uh, group conversation around the table. Um, so that's, that's centrally what the two days uh, will look like. Now, that sounds very much uh, like uh, a gathering of persons wanting to deepen the relationship with Jesus in which, you know, there is preaching, scripture-centered, Christ-centered, dialogue, discussion. It sounds like uh, at those events, it's kind of uh, a call to draw closer to the Lord, to become more involved in mission, more involved in service. That sounds very much like the core of what it means to be church. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what are, what are the challenges? If you think of the one project as a movement, it's been going on nine years now. And, and listener, we're visiting with Dr. Kenley Hall, professor at the Seventh-day Adventist Theological Seminary, young adults and homiletics focus, but one who has committed service to young adults through the one project. So what are the challenges, you, you are aware of them, on the larger landscape that this movement within our faith faces? Sure. I, I, I think um, one of the challenges, obviously, that, that all of us have faced, which have made everything different over the course of, uh, of the last year, the most immediate thing um, is COVID-19 certainly changed uh, what the one project was in, in, in this year, because instead of having that intimate gathering where you could sit around tables and directly uh, uh, stare into each other's eyes, be, be physically close, um, it had to move to a, a virtual format. Um, and, and the virtual, you can certainly create virtual community. Uh, it's more challenging to create virtual community than it is to create face-to-face, -face, if, if, if you will, bodies in the same building around the same table. So that's been a challenge, but a challenge that all churches have been facing uh, throughout this year as well. I, I think the other biggest challenge that, that the One Project has uh, faced, and I, I think, you know, I, I think sometime uh, in, in our conversation, we may talk about some of the other things that One Project does um, outside of its gatherings. But I, I think that one of the challenges that they did have is, is how do you help people that have this mountaintop experience for those two days of the gathering? Um, two days out of 365 days, and they live the rest of their 363 days, um, not on this mountain of, of one project, but back in their neighborhoods, back in their communities. 
uh, how do you help them take Jesus back with them and share within their communities what they've experienced within the community uh, of the One Project? But I think that the One Project has taken some very intentional steps over the last number of years to begin to kind of fill in that gap so it's not just a one-time event, but there are other activities that are happening through the other 363 days that help to keep you centered and, and give you opportunities to then engage your local worshiping community in the experience that you're having. Now, uh, Kenley, I want to back up for a moment because it occurs to me that... Uh, you are engaged, and you referred to it, to a gathering on the Andrews University campus, one place? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. And before, you know, pre-COVID, which is a challenge, and that's what brought to my mind, has changed everything. But if you were to turn the clock back one year to last fall, what? how many young adults engaged on a typical Sabbath morning and listener most of our listeners are from the Adventist faith context and Sabbath is brought into mind as the seventh day on Saturday morning but what I'm talking about is a time of worship congregational experience so a year ago how many young adults you know, people came for a one-place uh, worship uh, between the services you had on Sabbath mornings. Sure, and and sh we started in, in October of 2011 with just a single service. Uh, by uh, January of 2012, we realized we were going to have to go to a second service to to accommodate. So, so in our two services <coughs> that we have um, on any given Sabbath, obviously pre-COVID. The first service has tended to be the service where a lot of the community folk who support the ministry that we're doing um, come to that first service, and it's important to, to, to feed them um, as well because many of them are committing their, their time and their dollars and their energy uh, to uh, one place. And, and so typically we would have about probably 80 to 90 um, in the first service, and probably a quarter of those um, were young adults, but a lot of that was community folk. We, we discovered it was really interesting that the reason community folks started to come in is because uh, they would see a son or a grandson or a granddaughter or a daughter um, who had not been engaged in church suddenly getting excited about church again and, and coming to one place. And so they began to show up and say, how can we support you? I want to I want to support you with our presence, with our time, with our checkbooks. And that's been an incredible blessing to one place. The second service um, has tended to be our primarily young adult service. And, and the auditorium in which we seat um, holds a maximum of, of 296. Uh, we're usually at overflow um, capacity uh, pre-COVID. And, and so the majority of those may be 85 to 90 percent uh, of those 296 plus in, in second service would be in our target audience of, of young adults. So you have something like 300 uh, young adults coming, uh, the pre-COVID uh, sense. Um, 
of things. Plus, you had supporting adults and family relationships of folk uh, coming as well. Now, here, here's a question, and I'm not asking it in a void because I was on the Andrews campus and was able to celebrate what was happening. And frankly, Joni and I so many times said to ourselves, no, we're not going to take one of those seats now being filled by young adults. Our reflection was we see young adults who were not going to church before, although Pioneer Memorial has an amazing sanctuary and worship service, tremendous pastoral leadership. They were, not, they were at Andrews and not going to church. They would sleep late on Sabbath morning and maybe spend some time in personal study, which is great. But now they're in a congregation fellowship. So he said, we don't want to take one of their seats. So I, I, want, to, I want to ask you, now you may be a little cautious to respond. I don't know. Are you able to affirm that, and don't let me put words in your mouth, that there are young adults who, because one place is there on that campus, engage in church who otherwise would not be? Yeah, I, I, can absolutely, I can't give you, you know, statistical numbers on that, uh, but I can certainly give you plenty of anecdotal stories of, of individuals who would not be anywhere else if, if they weren't at one place. And, and I do appreciate, by the way, I, I want to emphasize this with you as well, that, that PMC Church, which is, a, a, as you said, an astound, astounding pastoral leadership, Wonderful sanctuary. Uh, PMC Church attracts young adults that one place doesn't attract. And that's great. Praise God. They need to be there for those young adults. One place attracts young adults that they wouldn't be able um, to attract. But we attract them. Praise God for that. And, and we've often even said as leaders, uh, pastoral leaders at one place, we would be highly supportive of any other group that wanted to plant something on campus that reached the young adults that PMC is not reaching, the young adults that we're not reaching, the young adults that New Life is not reaching. We would be highly supportive of it because the goal at the end of the day is just to reach people that wouldn't otherwise be reached. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And in in the last minute of conversation, you heard that my uh, little pet was a green. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, in in carrying on that theme, is is the one project always understood correctly or reported in a way that's accurate? That is a, a great question, and, and I think the answer is simply this: it is reported accurately by those who actually attend a one project gathering. Um, I've, I've discovered that, that those who are highly critical of, of one project um, primarily have never attended one for themselves. They are just basing on hearsay uh, what they think or, or believe is, is happening there. And I, I'll give you just one example uh, of, of that. Um, Rick Howard, who's written a number of books, uh, The Omega Apostasy, which was a conspiracy book about uh, um, spiritual formation in the Adventist church, wrote a second book uh, that was focused uh, on the One Project. But, but here's what I want to share about that experience. 
uh, Japheth de Oliveira, one of the founding uh, people of, of the One Project, heard that, that Rick was planning to write a book on the One Project. And so he called and, and had a personal conversation with, with Rick and, and said, look, I'd like to invite you to come to our next One Project. I'll set you up. You don't, you don't have to pay a thing for it. I just want you to come so you can have the, the One Project experience. And, and the response was, I don't need to attend. I already know what it is. And so again, I would say that the critical voices are mostly coming from those that have never attended. And it's very rare, if if at all, that someone who has actually attended a one project is critical of it in any way. How can you be critical of spending two days in the presence of, of Jesus? Well, and I I should add that Joni and I did occupy some seats a couple of times there. One time, the teaching pastor um, presented a beautifully Christ-centered, convicting teaching on the sanctuary that I sat there and said, wow, she, as, as a young adult in the Seventh-day Adventist faith movement, I wish all could hear and, and process how Christ-centered and centered on the Christian life and the salvation story, uh, the sanctuary is. But anyway, and so misinformation then is one of the challenges, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, DVDs that are going around that, that completely misrepresent anything that's there. I'm, I'm assuming maybe some of the, the footage has been pulled off of the One Project website and, and put in a context that that is not true to to what was actually happening so yeah mis misinformation is a a huge problem when it comes to the one project so if you had a chance to say something about the one project with a second generation older church member and that sounds like i'm describing myself <laughs> <laughs> who values the church they grew up in uh, and uh, maybe has read or heard or listened to some DVDs with misinformation or whatever, uh, they're concerned, they're worried about change. If you had a chance to share something with them about the One Project, what would you say? Yeah, I, I think the one thing that I would say would be come and see. Come, come and see what the Spirit is doing for those two days. Just come and experience it uh, yourself. And it's hard to deny when you experience it, what the Spirit is really doing. So, so just come, see, see what the Spirit is doing. You know, I, maybe this is a, a little bit uh, of a side journey, but I think it's, it's related to this. Um, I think oftentimes in the church, we pray the wrong prayers. In the church, we pray that God will bless what we are doing. And I think maybe instead of, in fact, I know, instead of praying for God to bless the things we're doing, we ought to start praying for God to show us the things that he's blessing and wow. then roll up our sleeves and get in with and experience those things which God is blessing. That's an excellent perspective. Now, 
the one place, are there similar congregations uh, somewhere globally? Um, I, I assume that the One Project actually intends to help young adults become active and mission-oriented in existing congregations, but the, the one place is a plant. Uh, are there other plants like this that are contributing to mission? Oh, absolutely. I think that there are numerous other young adult church plants uh, around uh, the United States that they're making a incredible contribution through young adults um, to the mission of, of the church. And you end up in the one project contributing to the formation of their, or development of their ministry skills at the same time they receive a spiritual uh, boost. Now, if someone wishes to connect with the one project, just in the last couple minutes we have here, can uh, well, I should say, is there anything else you would like to say about the one project and the opportunity of this conversation? Yeah, I, I guess the one other thing that, that I would say is, is I have had, I have a, a, a deep personal relationship uh, with some of those, particularly Japheth, um, who's one of the founding people of, of one project. I, I've come in contact with, with the others. And, and I think that it, it has been a shame that in some of the misinformation that's out there, um, that they have been maligned and not only themselves, but, but their families. And, and I can tell you that the individuals that are behind the one project are, are not anti-SDA, they're not anti-church, they're just about making Jesus the center of everything you do in your local church um, community. And so I think it's unfortunate, um, the unwarranted uh, persecution uh, that many of, of the leaders of one project have, have endured um, through slander. And, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, in a, in a sense, misinformation repeated is damaging to a person's commitment and service. So yeah, it becomes unwittingly, I think, sometimes for us, persecution. Well, now if someone wishes to connect with the One Project, how do they do that? Yeah, so you just can simply go online and, and you can uh, type in and to uh, the, T-H-E, and then one, but not spelled out, but just the numeral one, and then project dot Org. So again, the, T-H-E, one, as in the numeral one, and then project, no spaces, obviously, in between any of that, dot org, and you can get into their website. You can see all the resources that they have available there, which one of the resources you'll discover is also a one project app, um, because most young adults don't uh, walk around today um, carrying their their laptops with them, but they're carrying their smart <laughs> smartphones, they're carrying um, their Apple phones. And, and so there's an easily downloadable app for your phone to stay connected uh, to the One Project and its resources. There have been some uh, weekly uh, virtual uh, offerings, haven't there? Oh, absolutely. There, you'll, you'll find a list of all kinds of things when you go there. You'll 
find a, on that a, website. On that website, uh, one of those being weekly presentations that that are made. Um, community small groups that are being formed virtually because those communities aren't accessible in in the current community uh, that someone may, may be worshiping in. So all kind of resources mm-hmm. to just again um, engage in your personal journey with with Jesus. Great. Well, Dr. Hall, Kenley, thank you so much for spending uh, these minutes with us today. My pleasure. This is Skip Bell, and listener, thanks for your joining the conversation through listening. Until next time, keep thinking, keep believing. My name, Joshua Nelson, Community Engagement, and um, you can register for that. It's a free, it's a free uh, event. And that'll be um, uh, on on that Tuesday, October 27th. Thank you, uh, Dr. Joshua C. Nelson. Thank you, uh, Joshua uh, and Kimberly. Thank you for all the contributions you make. Thank you for spending some time today with us. Yes. Thank you, Skip. Appreciate being on. And uh, listeners, uh, part of our community joining this conversation, thank you for being a part today. This is Skip Bell. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep thinking, keep believing.